art, the universal language, and climate change, the universal problem. In this episode, I met up with Elisa Singer to find out more about how she turns climate science into art. Hi, my name is Kaya Sakamoto, and this is Climate Vibes. environmental graffiti so it's sketching and drawings about the environment using graphs it was a little play on on the sound of graffiti it's spelled with a ph instead of the regular ff and so what is environmental graffiti i would call it a project and at the same time a collection of art it's a collection of art that focuses on communicating climate science through the vehicle of contemporary art. The idea is to, it's a twofold concept, to create art that people find aesthetically pleasing and interesting, and to use that to draw people in, to want to know what the art is about, and then ultimately what is the scientific message behind it. Basically, you create pieces from climate charts and graphs. Charts, graphs, maps, and sometimes words or numbers. Um, Words or numbers that have a a key meaning or or, or, um, tie back to a key fact. How do you go from the climate charts to the art? Uh, Well, first, it's a process. I mean, there's the technical, literal um, process that I use, which is a little bit haphazard. Um, I need to back up about that because... I am not a graphic designer. I have no training in I have no training in climate science. I have no training in graphic design, no training in digital art, um, no formal art training at all, to tell the truth. Uh, but what but what the process entails as a result is a little bit of a series of happy accidents. But it's uploading a simple explanation would be to find a chart or graph that I find appropriate and meaningful. There's certain criteria that I use, but let's put that aside for a second. And once I find it, I will literally upload it to my computer and using different types of software and filtering, I will manipulate the image to create an independent digital painting. Often that involves deconstructing the graph to its essence of simple lines, the simplest lines, um, while at the same time preserving the integrity of the information. I can really see that in the pieces. And actually, one of my favorites is the Sources and Sinks piece because you can clearly see the the line, the trajectory right. of in the graph, but then it also looks like a really beautiful painting of a mountain reflected in a lake or some other body of water. Thank you. Yes, I mean, those are... I mean, this is the, the idea is to be able to take it in and, and then be sort of surprised. The, the startling effect of figuring out that what looks like a landscape, you know, or a moonscape or whatever it is that, that it, you perceive it as, is actually a graph. Um, and that's, people said, oh, really? <laughs> then, then they sort of peer into it and, and try and find where, where is the, the chart in that art? And then they realize it and they said, oh, what is that chart all about? And so they, then suddenly they're willing to take a look at it. But that's exactly the um, effect that I'm going for. And that brings me to my next question. 
art is such a powerful medium of communication because you don't really need to speak the same language to understand the message. And your work has been showed around the world and has been used on the cover of an IPCC report. Um, what is the message you want people to take away when they look at your art? The message and the reason why I keep creating art is that climate change impacts are so multifaceted in our world. And there is so much to understand about how climate change impacts the world. My galleries on my website are divided into four sections to create sort of a narrative. One section is why is our, you know, climate changing? And that deals with the different causes, you know, the, the rise of the carbon emissions principally. Then there's the gallery, which talks about how are we being impacted? And that deals with all the different, you know, whether it's rising sea levels or excess heat or extreme precipitation, health issues. There's so many ways in which we're impacted. The, actually, I should say health issues really more belong to the next category, which is more focused on who's at risk. And this section talks about both humans and species and humans, human health, flooding people whose livelihoods and homes are at risk. And then finally, my fourth gallery is what can we do about this? And there we try and look at some of the different you know, approaches that people have taken to mitigate and what are the paths to get to a more carbon neutral world. And that gallery is a little more eclectic, just like the approach to mitigation is somewhat eclectic. Right. Uh, but I think the point is that this is a, it's not about just global warming. It's about all the different ways that we're being affected. So going back to your question, that's the message is that climate change affects our, our world and the living creatures on the world in so many different ways. Right, and it affects us in ways we've never thought about. When I was looking through your galleries, I noticed that you did a piece on climate refugees. And I really liked that because it's not a very widely known climate issue like sea level rise. Most people don't think about refugees when they think about climate change. So it's amazing that people can look at your work and learn and discover new issues surrounding climate change that they never would have thought about. Right, and somewhat related to that is there's a piece called conflict. And that piece just uses the word conflict as opposed to a chart and graph. And the it's it's interesting that the US military has for some number of years now recognized climate change as one of the most, if not the most serious risk we face because of the unrest across the globe that, that is likely to be caused by the impact of climate change and how that unrest can lead to war and unstable situations. So if you look at uh, the text on that piece, you'll, you'll see, you know, it's, it's our own Pentagon that is recognizing and have, and they all, there's another piece also, which deals with military installations at risk, you know, something we don't think about, but as sea levels rise, as, you know, weather gets more extreme, we have a lot of facilities that tend to be located along coasts that could be critical infrastructure that's at risk. Yeah, and I'm even learning more information right now. <laughs> <laughs> so where do you get this data or these charts that you turn into your pieces? So I'm glad you asked that because I try to be selective in sources. As we all know, there are skeptics, there are climate science deniers, and I don't want to, for anybody to be able to say, oh, that came from some left-wing, you know, news source that has no credibility. So 
like the Climate Research Project and uh, the EPA, you know, even though much of the EPA site has been scrubbed, um, NOAA, uh, NASA, they're still issuing important reports, the art that was on the cover of the IPCC. So the IPCC is the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. It is the agency or the body, scientific body that the UN relies on, the Paris Agreement relied on. It's the gold standard of science. So whenever I can, I'll use um, graphic data from those sources. And then if, if there's a fact um, that I cannot find a credible charter graph for, I will, as I said, sometimes use a word or number where I can still cite definitive authorities, but I create the art out of my own sketches so that we can still get the message across from a credible source, even if I can't find the particular charter graph or map to illustrate what I'm trying to uh, convey. Right. And then you would cite the source you would use? Right. All of the pieces um, have citations for the, the uh, reference materials. And you're showing all these pieces around the world, and so many people are seeing them. Have you noticed a pattern to how people react to them? Well, the main thing I can say about this art that I think has made it more compelling, for sure, is that people take it in initially, and almost everybody does, as, a, as an abstract piece. The most universal reaction that I've seen is pretty much what I had hoped, which is to do a little bit of a double take and say, wait, whoa, that's not abstract? In my, in my personal experience, and also there was a, a professor that did this at Loyola University in Chicago, there is a, uh, a very nice permanent installation of the art, something over 20 pieces. And so every piece is displayed with a wall plaque that tells you what the, the reference graph is and the, and the summary message of the graph. So he has first taken the art just from an aesthetic perspective and then sort of take notes, record your reaction, and then record your reaction after you know what it's about and how it changes how you perceive the art. People wrote about the different ways in which they change all of a sudden. I think in some cases people read things into it that I didn't even intend. But I guess that's always the case with art. So, I, But I do think the universal reaction is that People liked it better when they realized that it wasn't abstract, that it had a particular meaning. So my little slogan is that science makes the art more meaningful, just as the art makes the science more accessible, you know, more understandable. So I think it goes in those cases, it works well together. You've started to collaborate with the Climate Music Project. And they're doing something similar to what you're doing, but with music. What drew you to them? I reached out to them because I read about them. And I know that they were recently interviewed about what they were doing. And I was blown away. And I went on their website and I watched one of their videos. And I thought, this is incredible. But not just is it incredible. It was very emotional. I, I think that their art is that, you know, their use of the data somehow creates more of an emotional reaction than the visual. But um, they were doing what I was doing, which is taking charts and graphs and scientific data and converting them into art. But they were doing it using music instead of visual art. And I thought, wow, if we could work together, we could make some really interesting exhibitions. You know, we, we continue, I mean, of course, during the pandemic, everything is sort of grinded to a halt. I mean, Everything is now, uh, of course, waiting while the museums are shut down and the universities are shut down. So, but I'm excited about the possibility of, of figuring out more ways to work with in the future. I just think there's a lot of create, creative 
ways that we can combine these two to, so that you come to see an exhibit, you're not just seeing the art, you're also you know, experiencing a musical performance based on the science. And then what they do, which I love and, and do whatever I can, is they have their performance punctuated by one of their scientists speaking about the science, which is so important once you get people in there and you've suddenly engaged their feelings and their emotions and their interests, now you hit them with the facts. Um, and you know, somebody really explained what this was all about. And then I think that whole experience is so powerful. Mm -hmm. And that goes right back to your slogan. Right, <laughs> my handy dandy slogan. <laughs> and I thought this was pretty cool. I just learned that you guys have used some of the same IPCC data to create some of your pieces. Right, and in fact, one of the things that we started to do was to to use some of the um, the art in their videos because they use different imagery, and so it would work to you know my art can be you know made it you know into a video where it, it transforms back into the science, but that was put on hold. Well, I hope that can get going soon and it can actually come into being because that would send a very powerful message. I'm excited about the possibility. So you started this project after you retired. Do you know, or can you tell me, what was your call to action? I was for over 35 years a corporate lawyer and a mom, raised a, raised a family. Um, so when I retired back um, in 2013, I decided I wanted to see if there's a way to, to do the two things that I most wanted to do in retirement, which was something worthwhile you know, find a spot in heaven after being a corporate lawyer. There wasn't going to be a spot for me. Um, and pursue art because I've loved art and I've done art, even though I wasn't trained, I've done art my whole life. The thing that was very bewildering to me and probably to many people is that even then, now, now we're talking about the end of 2014, the six years ago, the, the data, the charts and the graphs regarding climate science were very compelling, very dramatic, but didn't feel like people were really paying much attention to it. Because if you did, you'd be jumping up and down. So going back then, it was just a question of trying to figure out how does one make this data more accessible so that everybody will start jumping up and down as well. And, that, and the original name of the series was The Alarming Art of Climate Change, because to me, this is all very alarming and it hasn't gotten less so it's it's certainly accelerated it's very alarming quite honestly and it's only getting even more alarming because the problem is it's such a complex issue and it's so hard to solve there's not a single solution that will fix everything do you have any advice for people who want to get involved or want to to act somehow, but maybe they just don't know how or unsure of what to do? Okay, I will say, I, I wanna think about it in two ways. One is to think about in my own situation, as I said before, I am not a trained scientist. I'm not even a trained digital artist, but I am figuring it out as I go along and pursuing it and using my love of art and my desire to um, help communicate the, the science of these important facts to create the energy for the project. So the first thing I would say is that look inside yourself, try and figure out what you love to do. 
um, because some people love communicating and networking and going to rallies and, or some people love lobbying or some people feel their, their strength is research. Whatever your strength, whatever your passion is, see if you can figure out a way to combine it with the cause um, and to create something that's more uh, meaningful for you and you're more likely to succeed at it, more likely to stick with it. But the second thing that I would say is that as you yourself said, this is a, an overwhelming problem. It, there is no single fix to it. It's a global problem. We can't solve it ourselves. You know, this is a, a problem that requires action at the highest levels of government. And the mo single most important thing that anybody can do right now is to get the vote out. Because we have an administration right now that has made it their principal agenda to roll back everything, everyone, they've already rolled back a hundred environmental regulations. And without support at the highest levels of government, we can't make any headway on these problems. We can't create the think tanks, you know, you know, you know, marshal the, the resources, or share, you know, join with our neighbors and colleagues across the world to come up with solutions and ways to mitigate um, all the things that we need to do. We can't do it individually. This is an enormous problem. So the most important thing I would say to anybody, not only vote people into office who support the, uh, who have to share your concerns, but work towards it, volunteer. You're volunteering in the political process at this point in this immediate moment is the most important thing you can do to arrest climate change. Thank you to Elisa Singer and Poddington Bear at soundofpicture.com for the music Tender and Curious. If you want to learn more about Elisa Singer and her project, Environmental Graffiti, you can check out her work at environmentalgraffiti.org. That's graffiti spelled with a PH. And if you're curious about the Climate Music Project, you can find out more at climatemusic.org. My name is Kaya Sakamoto, and you've been listening to Climate Vibes. Okay, I guess I do have a favorite. There is a favorite. It's called Pathways to Mitigation. And it's in the D Gallery. And it's the one that kind of looks like a bird. <laughs> Um, because the graph sort of comes off looking like a bird. Um, the, I like the message, which is that climate change, the, the longer we wait to act, the more aggressively we have to take action, and the more we need to rely on technologies that don't even exist. Um, so there's a critical message in the piece.